Before we begin today's show, Sue Bird is one of the best female basketball players of all time, and her partner, Megan Rapino, is a U.S. soccer superstar. I can't even count the number of gold medals they must have between them. And they spoke to Zach Lowe, who doesn't have a gold medal, but he should. But he's a great writer and has a great podcast, The Low Post. If you want to hear that conversation, you can listen and subscribe to The Low Post, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, you can leave the Hoop Collective a review and let us know your thoughts on the show. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, A-Team Thursday. We have Jackie McMullen joining us from Boston. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? I am doing just peachy, just peachy. How do you think I would be? And I should be at the English Beat concert tonight. That's where I should be. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. The Masters should be be starting tomorrow. That's what I know. Uh, won't be. Uh, joining us in from Dallas is Tim Band McMahon. Are you still buying Lean Cuisine pizzas or did you switch it up? I mean, not exclusively. I've also got like turkey sandwich stuff, some of those healthy choice power bowls. But did I just polish off a couple of uh, Lean Cuisine spinach and mushroom pizzas? Yeah, I did. All right. Practice um, of cha- or dinner of champions, I should say. There you go. Um, speaking of uh, champions, Kevin Garnett, uh, you know, he got elected to the Hall of Fame this week. Uh, going to be one of the great classes of all time. I'm not going to go into whether is it the greatest class or whatever. It's pretty darn good. Um, it is Kobe, the greatest class. It is. is it, I will do so it for you. Okay. Top three. Yes. There's never been three players of that caliber. Never. Yeah. Um, you know, well, Duncan, uh, Kobe, and KG. Um and that's pretty. And Rudy T. And Rudy T. gets into finally. Um, well deserved. Bunch. And Barty Stevens from Division Two Bentley College in Massachusetts, also long overdue. Congratulations to her. Really, I went. I went on a visit to Bentley College back in my younger days. There you go. You were banned there, weren't you, McMahon? <laughs> no, I think I actually got in, believe it or not. Oh, all right. Very good business school. But Barty Stevens, what she's done there, she won a national championship there in New England, just like for the men and the women, not a hotbed of basketball, as you guys know. And what she built there was nothing short of amazing. Really happy for her. By the way, she has more career wins than Pat Summit. Whoa. Hmm. That's pretty impressive. Um, so, you know, big moment in, in uh KG did some interviews this week and he did one with the athletic where, you know, look, he, um, he is very excited about, about this going in. Uh, obviously it's a huge moment for him. We know, we've known he's been a hall of famer for a long time. We knew he was going to be a first ballot hall of famer. Um, but you know, the moment is pretty special and, and with everything around Kobe, I, I hope that there's an induction ceremony. Um, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful of that. Uh, Jackie, when is it? It's in August. August right? 28th to August 30th. I've already purchased my tickets and will be taking Douglas Arthur Boyle with me. Very excited. Okay, very good. Um, anyway, he does this interview, which is kind of wide-ranging. Um, talks about some of his uh, his career highlights, uh, etc. And then he gets asked about, because uh, his, his jersey is being retired this upcoming season, number five in, in Boston, joining the um, incredible uh, list of uh, retired jerseys. Um, 
I remember when they retired Paul Pierce's jersey, KG was there, and they highlighted on the scoreboard the the empty spot on the mm. on the banner. I thought that was a cool moment. Um, and uh, anyway, so he was asked about whether his jersey will be retired in Minnesota. Now, as you remember, KG played I think twelve years in Minnesota. Um, demanded a trade, and then at the end, no, of no, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. Go ahead. No, he did not demand a trade. No, that didn't happen. Accepted a trade, I think, is the yeah. proper way to frame that. Yeah, correct? absolutely. He did Wait, not demand when, a trade. When he left Minnesota? When he left Minnesota, when they originally, originally started talking to him about moving on, he didn't want to go. He wanted to stay. He wanted to be paid. He wanted to be paid. And Glenn Taylor didn't want to pay him. Kevin McHale did not want to trade him, but then it became apparent he was going to have to. And initially when the Celtics were interested all the way back, Kevin Garnett said, no, I won't go there. I don't want to go there. And it wasn't until after they got Ray Allen that he agreed to go on that deal. He went very reluctantly. He, but he wanted out of Minnesota by that point. Barely. Uh, never- my understanding is he had to be talked into leaving Minnesota. He did not want to leave Minnesota. He wanted to be paid the way he should have been paid. But well, he let was me, a, I'm just I, telling I, you. I, no, I know. I, I know. I, I want to talk about Garnett's incredible salary history. It's an unknown thing that happened with his salaries over the years. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right. In my head, he wanted to leave Minnesota, but I'm not going to quibble with you. I'm sure you're right. So he gets traded to to the Celtics, wins a title, goes to two finals. The rest is history. At the end of his career, he he had a no trade clause in his in all of these contracts uh, that that he did uh, all along the way, and um, he had a no trade clause in his contract. And I think it was less than an hour before the trade deadline in 2015. Um, uh, Brooklyn had sort of soured that uh, team that they had put together. It just it wasn't working, and um, it was at the end of the line. Paul Pierce had left. Yeah, way to go, Bobby Marks. <laughs> yeah, blame him. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he approved a trade on, on on deadline day to go back to Minnesota. And this is where this quote sort of gets interesting. Um, he basically said. Uh, we've known that he's been at odds with the owner of the Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor, over some stuff that we'll talk about in a minute. But I'm just going to read the quote in case you haven't seen it. Um, he says, Glenn knows where I'm at. I'm not entertaining it. That means uh, getting his jersey retired. Although I suppose they could retire it without him. But clearly he wanted to be in there for it. He said, first of all, it's not genuine, which that's a pretty good gut shot there. Two, he's getting pressure from a lot of fans and I guess the community there. Glenn and I had an understanding before Flip died, and when Flip died, that understanding went with Flip. For that, I won't forgive Glenn. I won't forgive him for that. I thought he was a straight-up person, a straight-up businessman, and when Flip died, everything went with him. Um, he said some other stuff. At this point, I don't want any dealings with Glenn Taylor or Taylor Corporation or anything that has to do with him. I love my Timberwolves. I always love my guys. I'll always love the people who F with me there. I'll always have a special place in the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota in my heart. But I don't do business with snakes. I don't do business with snake blank blankers. 
I try not to do business openly with snake or with snakes or people who are snake like. Um, so my understanding on this, uh, so when Flip Saunders came back to the Timberwolves, he made his own return to be the team president and later the coach. Glenn Taylor was on and off thinking of selling the Wolves. His number one priority, um, in addition to getting a good price, of course, is he did not want to sell the team to somebody who might move them. In the wake of Howard Schultz becoming a pariah in his hometown of Seattle when he sold the team to the Sonics, we sold the team when he sold the Sonics, and then, and then they moved. Mm-hmm. These hometown hero billionaire types have really, really not wanted to be branded. Um, so we we saw this with uh, Senator Cole when he sold the Bucks. He basically structured the contract so that the people who bought the team from him couldn't move it, although they could have sold it and had it moved. But it was basically not only did he do that, he gave a hundred million dollars from the sale to building a new arena. He did not want to be a pariah, and Glenn Taylor was looking for the same thing. He was looking for an owner, somebody who would buy the team and not want to move it. Um, at that time, they had just had the failed um, Seattle move, and any team that was on the market was Seattle bound, etc. So uh, he, from what I again, this is what I understand. Um, when Flip came back, Glenn and Flip had a handshake agreement that if if Flip could put together an ownership group, that he would sell to him. And you know, Flip was going to take some time to do that. And Flip wanted KG to be a part of that ownership group after he retired. You can't be an owner as a player anyway. So when they were talking to Flip. Sorry, when Flip was talking to KG about him waiving his no trade clause to come to Minnesota, he was at the very end of his career. He wasn't really that effective as a player anymore. He barely played. Yeah. He, he was, was a mentor. There. He was a yeah, mentor. But he, but he had given an interview the previous November where he said, I would like to own the Timberwolves someday. I would like to put together a group and buy the Timberwolves. And that started a chain of events that got him back to Minnesota. And they can't, like, you can't say, you can't announce, yes, we're going to make him a part of the ownership group. You can't say that mm-hmm. as part of a trade. It's illegal. Um, but the key, I think, here was that it was a handshake agreement. Yeah, yeah between- Minnesota would never make an under-the-table deal. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good one, Tim. Um, so I'm sorry I'm being so long-winded here. So anyway, Flip passes away, and the handshake agreement is is gone. And I don't know what KG th- – I don't know what was promised to him, but clearly something was promised. And clearly it hasn't happened, and it didn't go forth. And uh, we have a, a problem here in KG in a moment of celebration bringing out fangs. On Glenn Taylor, so that was the, that's the summation and, and of what not happened. For the first time, I mean, he's blasted Glenn Taylor multiple times. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, like and, this is this is the but, you know. But when they traded him, whatever. right? But when they traded from, he even he even referenced LeBron. He said, "Yeah, if LeBron can go home, because this was a year after LeBron, I think it was that season, the fourteen fifteen season." Uh, he said, "If LeBron can go home, I can go home," and it was sort of like let bygones be bygones, and it only made things worse. Um, so just unfortunately, this is, um, 
become something that now a thing that on his week of uh, celebration, you know, he's, it's not a good idea for the greatest player in the history of your franchise to be going to the hall of fame. I mean, is there another Timberwolf, like a, a real Timberwolf who's ever gone into the hall of fame? Uh, it's, it's not good. Uh, but it's Jackie. not surprising. It's not surprising. No, yeah. And I was actually, when, when uh, Garnett got traded back there, I actually spent some time out there. I did a piece with Garnett. I was there for about a week. And uh, Milt Newton was the GM at the time. And uh, or was he the coach? No, he was the GM. GM. Was, yeah, he was the GM. Oh, Flip, Flip, was, the Flip was the coach. And, uh, and then I went there again right after Flip passed. And what you're, te- what you're saying is exactly correct. Garnett was going to be part of an ownership group with Flip Saunders to buy the Timberwolves. That was pulled away. It also was further exacerbated when Glenn Taylor told Milt Newton, I'm going to keep you on to the end of the year. I'm going to evaluate you after the draft and free agency. And then abruptly changed his mind and hired Layden and, and Tibbs. And Milt Newton, in, in Kevin Garnett's mind, was an extension of Flip Saunders, as you guys know, they were very close, and they moved to, through their circles together. They were they were a team, so that was yet another thing that set Kevin Garnett off. So he's never and liked Sam Glenn Mitchell Taylor. was uh, swept was swept out too. I don't know if yeah. that's anything right. To do with it Sam Mitchell well. was the coach also at one point. Another loyalist to Flip Saunders, and I could tell you, yeah, and I wasn't was, Sam Mitchell kind of KG's mentor when KG yes, was, a, was a teenage that's exactly rookie? Right. That's exactly right. So all of these things combined have left this. I saw KG at the All-Star game this year, actually, in, in Chicago, right after it had been, you know, we knew he was going to get picked. And I was asking him about it. It was right after they had announced that the Celtics were going to retire his number. And I, we were just making chit-chat. And I said, wow, so do you think this will put pressure on the Timberwolves, you know, to retire your number two? And he said, I don't bleep and care. And I was like, yeah, I bet he doesn't. And it's listen. I'll I'll say one thing about Kevin well, Garnett. He does care. <laughs> well, what? No, he doesn't because he doesn't. He won't as long as Glenn Taylor's there. He'll have no part of it. That's what and, I'm saying. He cares so much. He won't allow it. Well, I think what I mean is he didn't care if Glenn Taylor said I'm going to retire your number because he wouldn't accept it. Yeah. That's I guess what I mean. And I'll tell you something about Kevin Garnett. He's one of these guys. He reminds me of Jordan in this regard. If you mess with him, you're dead. There's oh, he's no an turn all-time back. grudge holder. I yeah, mean, look no at the Ray Allen back. situation. <laughs> you know, the Ray Allen deal in Boston. Now, on this one, you know, it sounds like he's got a pretty good reason for a grudge. I always thought the thing with Ray Allen in Boston was pretty ridiculous, to be honest. But Well, uh, there's probably more to that than you think, as there always is in those yeah. situations. And it no. wasn't just KG and Ray. It was Rondo and Ray and well, KG and Rondo and Rondo's KG's little brother. I was going to say and, who's the ringleader there. Well, you got to pick if you're going to if you're asking KG to pick sides between Rondo and Ray, it's not even close. Jackie, real quick, real quick aside, um, does Rondo get his number retired? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not. I don't feel strong. I was just asking. Yep. Um, okay. So I want to talk real quick about. The fascinating thing that happened that happened with Garnett and the and the Timberwolves, and then later on with the Celtics as well. So KG is the highest earning NBA player of all time. He made over three hundred forty million dollars. Unfortunately, he's been swindled out of some of it. 
Um, Tim Duncan was swindled out of money too. Um, but so, one of the more fast, I've talked about this maybe one time on this podcast before, but I just, LeBron, LeBron will eventually pass him. Um, and then in the next few years, he's LeBron is closing in on 300 million in earnings. But in 2000, something amazing happened three times in, in Garnett's career, three different times. He took a pay cut of over $10 million. And we're not talking about at the end of his career when he, you know, was just sort of playing out the string. I'm talking about in his prime. He signed an extension with the Timberwolves in 2003 where he was, he had agreed to lower his salary by $12 million. He went from $28 million to $16 million. And he, after he signed the extension and had agreed to the $12 million reduction, he won the MVP. Can you imagine that winning the MVP award and taking a $12 million pay cut? It was, it happened. He took the pay cut before the season was part of an extension. And he did that so that the wolves would have, you know, Glenn Taylor would have more money to spend on free agents because they had, you know, Cassell and, and Spreewell they were trying to take care of. And, you know, that ended up going sideways with, you know, Latrell Spreewell, feed my family, et cetera. Um, and then when he came to Boston, Jackie, he signed an extension right when he got to Boston, and he reduced his salary from twenty-five million down to sixteen. Okay, I guess it wasn't ten million; it was nine million. And still, very much one of the best players in the league at that time. He's a little bit on in his career; he's fifteenth, sixteenth year, but <laughs> you know, agrees to cut his salary. I don't know why he cut his salary just to be nice to the Celtics. I mean. They have the money. And then when he signed another extension with Boston, um, before uh, ended up getting traded to Brooklyn, he took another $10 million pay cut. Now, at that point, he was sort of in the back end of his career. But still, he's this is a man who made $340 million and kept reducing his salary. Um well, let's get back to the first time he did it. And you're wondering why he hates Glenn Taylor? Because he did that, and then it came time for him to get paid. And Glenn Taylor's like, oh, I don't know. We're, we're not really winning championships, and maybe you're too rich for my blood. Maybe I can't afford you. Maybe I need – I'm a small market team. Maybe we should look into trading you. So that's where that started. But then he took a pay cut on the deal that he signed in Boston after he was traded there. Well, that was because they wanted to win a championship and they needed to add a few more pieces. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I mean, I just, I'm just saying, it's, uh, it's a. You know, man, he, he'd won in Boston by that time. No, he no, didn't. not the, no, not the first one. Not the no. first. One. He signed no. right when he got there. Now he was, oh, okay. he was under contract. He just extended. Right. Part of that extension took a pay cut, and and, and to go back to that 2003 um, extension, Jackie. So remember the the um, the max contract came in in two, in 1999. That's where the it's what the lockout was for 98-99. But he was grandfathered in. Exactly. He and Shaq and Kobe, I think, were grandfathered in. So he was able to make above the max, and yet he took a contract that took him down below the max. It's like your contract with ESPN, Wendy. I mean, I, I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing that. 
Um, I mean, that's that's amazing. And I also, you know, he also, well, he did get swindled out of money. I, I he did a structure his country. A lot of money. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a it's an unfortunate circumstance, but it's real. And I would just say this, you know, Glenn Taylor has several different times tried to buy sell the wolves. At one point a few years ago, he actually introduced the guy who was going to buy the team. He had selected this guy, Steve Kaplan. Um, they had a press conference where he said, this man is going to become my minority partner, and then he's going to own the team. He is your new owner. And then he stood up there and said, I'm keeping the wolves in Minnesota. We love this town, blah, blah, blah. And the deal never closed. Hmm. Um, and so I would just say that at some point, Glenn may indeed sell the wolves and there's still time left for KG if somebody wants to back him, but it's going to take a lot of money and KG doesn't have it, even if he hadn't been swallowed out of his money. Um, so Jackie, it's, a you know, I, I think he always goes in as a Celtic because that's what he won the championship, but if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, you're, you're a big part of the reason he's going in is uh, is is those. Thir- I think he played a total of 14 years there, so it's unfortunate. I will say this: the Wolves did give him a two-year, 16 million dollar deal at the end when he was not a 16 million dollar player. I don't know if that meant anything to him. Um, probably didn't, but they they did sort of try to throw him some money on his way out the back door. But I don't know if that scores you any points. But um, Apparently not. <laughs> but clear, clearly not. Those checks have uh, long since been, been cashed. Um, do you think uh, KG would be a good uh, front man of an ownership group, Jackie? Well, I think it would be unique in, in Minnesota. The reason it was going to work was because of Flip. Flip had an uncanny way of connecting with Kevin Garnett in a way that no one else I've ever been around has been able to connect with Kevin with the exception of maybe Paul Pierce. And, you know, listen, Doc Rivers and, and KG, they did fine. There was respect there and love and all of that, but it was different with Flip. He loved Flip to death. Flip was like his father figure to him. You know, you've seen the famous photograph when Flip died of KG sitting in his car. Uh, That was real. It was devastating to him. He was sitting in his parking spot is what he, he was. Doing. And yeah. he's, to this day, if you mention Flip to KG, there's a good chance his eyes are going to tear up. That's all real. It's all genuine. And so I think in that perfect storm, KG and Flip would have been incredibly formidable. And I'm sure they would have had to add other investors. But I would have that would have worked out perfectly well. I, my guess is, and I don't want to speak for KG, I don't even think that's where his head is at anymore anyway. All right. Well, I always believe that wounds can be healed. Um, you know, when, when I hear about, you know, you know these terrible schisms in the NBA, I'm like, well, give them five years, give them ten years, it'll be healed. Um, my prediction that the Ray Allen one would be healed is not coming true. <laughs> uh, it's I like call- Michael Jordan. Mike, I always thought Jordan and Barkley would end up being best friends again. That still hasn't happened. Certain people, when I they mean, Jordan's still mad at his high, you know, he was mad at his high school basketball coach. Hey, I'm telling you, Larry Bird's got a bit in that of that in him too. If you turn on him, if it goes bad, I mean, he won't make a big stink about it, but but it's over. 
Well, and, you know, the, the other thing with KG is, I mean, as ridiculously athletic he was, especially at his size and all the skills and, you know, all that, well, the major reason he was as great as he was was because he's passionate is not even, I mean, there's a, he, he had just the right amount of crazy intensity to, you know, be a, a dominant player. He's insane. Okay. There you go. <laughs> no, you know is. him, so you can say it. <laughs> He's insane. I mean, before a game, I remember, I, you know, he had just come to Boston. I didn't know him that well. I'd covered him some. Didn't know him particularly well. I remember I went into the locker room before the game. Back then, players were in the locker room before the game. Shockingly, you could talk to them. Maybe not interview them, but talk to them. I went to go over to say something to him. And he looked at me, and I can't even say half of what he said because it's every other word was an expletive. Mm. Then to get away from me, blah, 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 blah. he's swearing at me, and I'm just looking at him, and I'm like, what is your problem? And he's like, I'm effing this, I'm at that, I'm getting ready for a game. And I was like, hey, look, dude, you know, welcome to Boston, but, like, there's been players here before you that were a lot bigger and better than you, and there'll be some after you. Go bleep. I was mad, you know. <laughs> you, you gave and, it right back, huh? No, I was mad. I really was because it was so out of nowhere. I didn't, I didn't understand where it was coming from. And then when I got to know him better, I understood that even his own teammates stayed completely yeah. away from him. Now, this was a regular season game, guys. This wasn't a playoff game or anything. You know, they weren't playing the Lakers. And, and you know, Paul told me that he used to hide in a trainer's room. Everyone just wanted to stay away from KG before a game. And Doc Rivers used to say that when it was a big game, he would never run the first four or five plays for KG because he'd shatter the backboard. He'd shoot it so hard. Yeah. It was just well, so. And, and, and how about up. the guys who had to match up against him? I mean, yeah, you know, Dirk would never say it out loud, but like the Dirk's kind of inner circle absolutely disdains KD because he was, I mean, this is no secret. He was the most ruthless, relentless, profane, nonstop trash talker in the league. Some of his trash talk that has become public, I can imagine what is what has not become public. Also, uh, first team all sweat. Yeah. Uh, well, and and who starts every game by banging his head into the backstop as hard as he can? <laughs> while his head, while he's sweating like that, yeah, he's just does that? sweat you know? all over it. But I will tell you yeah. this: I grew to love him as much as almost any player I covered because he was so unselfish. He, he truly was. He was a reluctant scorer. He was a guy who could have been, I believe, a guy that could have led the league in scoring. That's how talented he was, how good he was at scoring. But it wasn't in his DNA. That's not what he wanted to do. He wanted everybody involved. He wanted to be a complete player. He cared more about the defensive end of the floor than he did the offensive end of the floor. And as much as I love Paul Pierce and literally grew up with him in this business, Kevin Garnett is the reason they won that 2008 championship, even though Paul Pierce was the MVP, because he completely turned the culture on its ear when he went to the Boston Celtics. Everything that mattered was because KG told him it mattered. No one cares about how much they score. I don't care who takes the last shot. We're going to play defense. We're going to scare everybody. We're going to intimidate everybody. We're going to play hard. And that's how we're going to win. And forget about who gets the winning shot. That's stupid. I don't want to hear it. And everyone's like, okay, 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 because he was that scary. But they all loved him. I loved him. He was he was a battle to be around. 
But man, I, I he's one of the most sense, and he he has a motor that never turned off, like Russell Westbrook. You know how Westbrook's like that. Cage mm-hmm. the same way. The motor never turned off, never. After the game, before the game, it just kept going. I don't know when the dude ever sleeps. He's one. Uh, there's only a few guys who've ever who've had their numbers retired with two different teams. Um, LeBron will have his number retired with two different teams. Kobe has two numbers retired with one team. That's LeBron will probably have his number retired with three teams. Well, we'll see about the Lakers, but he certainly will get it retired. In I Miami. like his odds. All right. Uh, so, turning to more basketball at hand, um, I have spent every day for the last ten or fifteen days talking to people in the league about what it will take to return to play. Um, I have heard so many different opinions. I've heard so many different things. Um, I don't even know. I don't know if if it makes me someone who's aware or if my mind is too cluttered. Um, I've swung from optimism to pessimism and I've been scolded by both the league office and the union for being pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Scolded. Um, and Expletives included or no? Well, I mean, you know, no one's really, I mean, you know how this thing goes. You I mean, you work with these same people over decades, you know, you, you have difficult conversations, and then the other days you don't have difficult. Sometimes you do things, and the league's like, you know what? We really appreciated that. That was really good. Other times you ruin their day. That's just the way it goes. Um, Jackie, seeing where we are right now, what are you looking for? What do you think is going to have to happen before basketball can come back? Well, let me just tell you what happened today, if I may. My friend, uh, her family owns a car dealership, and she had to go to work today. And she happens to work right next door to a CVS pharmacy in Lowell, Massachusetts. And they opened up a drive-through testing facility today at the C- outside the CVS Lowell. And you drove up and you waited in line for a very, very long time. And they handed you a swab and you self-administered the swab. And you waited 15 minutes. And according to my friend, you got a test result. Hmm. This is shocking to me. I didn't think we were this far along. I don't know if we're this far along. I'm not sure how accurate the test is. I think the one thing I was looking for, Brian, because it was the only thing that made sense in order for all these leagues to proceed, was very simple. Every single person involved had to be tested. Every single person, every single player, coach, GM, trainer, referee, name the people that were going to be in this arena. I mean, and that, there's media there. Whatever. And that had to be done because we've been told, we've, we've learned over and over and over again that many people that have this virus are asymptomatic. The NBA could not afford, the one thing they could not afford was to restart their season and then have someone come up positive and have to shut it down again. It's the one thing they absolutely could not have. Now, if this test that I just described to you, and and this is, I mean, I guess I have to say it's hearsay because I'm hearing it from another person who's not a medical person who simply witnessed what I'm describing to you right now, literally witnessed it out her window. 
if the testing can be done in a way that you know everyone involved, what their status is, that gives me a little more hope than what I had four days ago. Well, and but I, I, here's the thing, and I, I know Adam Silver is, is appropriately sensitive to this. Those tests have to be in, available to everyone. But they were. The, uh, right. yeah, across the country. It can't right, be but, a situation where, wow, you know, the, the privileged MBA is getting yeah, but it's these not. tests. Yeah. But I, I'm telling you, I could have driven up to CVS and Lowell today and had that test. Now, I might have had to wait in line in my car for several hours. But this is my point. It appears as though we are rapidly getting to the point where it's going to be possible to test virtually everyone that wishes to be tested. Um, and that's the key for you, McMahon, is that you, you know, yeah, things are very... They're, they're, absolutely. And, and again, it's not just that that the MBA can get those tests, but that everybody can get those tests. So the MBA, the MBA can't be, you know, the, the, the selfish, greedy, put themselves ahead of, of public health like that. Obviously, that's just you, you cannot do that from a moral or PR standpoint. So um, I think it's going to take one step further. I think we're going to have to have ubiquitous antibody testing to test to see if you've ever had it. Um, right. That's probably true. And no fans. Don't we all agree? There's no scenario. Yeah, I can, not, not, there's not, no not fans. This, not for, the, not not for this, time. this season. Yeah. No. Hopefully, no hopefully next season, but not this season. All right. Well, let me just say a couple of things that have, that have come through uh, as I've talked to people. Coaches, players, executives, other wings that I will not say, but let's just say from top to bottom in the league. Number one, there's an incredible amount of support and trust and belief in Adam Silver from the star players down to lower level employees to referees. Um, They really do believe in him. They, I've heard this time and time again, Adam will not let us come back until we know we're safe. I hear the um, same thing. Every interview his, I've done. His equity within the league is, is, uh, is excellent. Um, and he's gotten a lot of credit for shutting the league down. I, I have sort of begrudgingly had to, Kind of, and this is one of the things that gets people gets people angry at me when I say what I'm about to say. He didn't have a choice; he had to shut the league down when a player tested positive. And I, and I want to point out that there were municipalities, you know, that had said no fans are going to games. Yet there were fans at NBA arenas that night. So to say that the NBA was ahead of the curve is not really accurate. The Ivy League and the ATP Tennis Tour were ahead of the curve. Nonetheless, he did shut it down and show good leadership in doing so. He didn't mess around. He, he shut it down and set, a, set an example for many other leagues to follow. Um, but the people value and trust in his leadership immensely. And so, number one, uh, he, he can use that to his advantage because I think people will follow in what he says, but he's got to be careful with it. He's got to be very careful because they're trusting him. And I think that's going to cause him to be very cautious. The other thing that I think is very important in talking to people is 
what what about next season? What are you willing to do about next season? Um, because Adam has has several times, including his talks that he had with Ernie Johnson this week, they had a little back and forth on Twitter. He mentioned about how he wants to protect next season. Um, you know, in reality, guys, I mean, I've talked to people who point this out to me. The NBA can restart this season whenever they want. If they wanted, if they had to wait till October, and mm-hmm. they said, "Listen, we're going to wait till we're fine," and they just restarted at the normal time and picked up where they left off from last year, and finished the season at at Christmas. And said, "Okay, now we're going to have an abbreviated off season, and we're going to start again in the spring, and we're going to play till the, till the fall." If they were willing to change their calendar a little bit, or have like a very brief off season, um, they could do it. There's nothing stopping them from doing that, but that would dramatically impact that season. Also, you could cut next season short. You could trim off some games and to fit it all in the calendar. But the fact that, at least to this point, Adam has made the point that they don't want to affect next season, I think backstops what the league can do this year. Now, where is that line of demarcation? Is it September 15th? Is it August 31st? I don't know. Nobody knows, really. But that's an important thing. And when the union and the players, and they're going to come to an agreement most likely in the next week here on salaries – what they're trying to accomplish is to make a deal where the players give up salary and limit the damage to this year so that the salary cap doesn't collapse next year. They're already making attempts to put up a, a wall to protect next season. And those are really important factors that nobody's thinking about. Um, and if you're an NBA owner, okay, and I'm not saying that the owners of the Bucks or the owners of the Clippers, or the owners of the Lakers are thinking this way. But if you're if you're an owner of NBA Team X who's not in the playoffs, and you know that your team's not going to make the playoffs or your team's not going to compete for the championship, and you're not going to be getting any more revenue this season, you're not going to be able to sell any tickets. You're going to have to refund all the things. There's not going to be any playoff money coming to you. The TV money. TV money. Yeah, but the TV money could be guaranteed. Listen, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but the, the coaches that I've talked to and the the few – I haven't talked to a bunch of players, but I've talked to a bunch of coaches and GMs, and they all tell me the same thing. They think the first week of September, somewhere in there, is the drop-dead date for all the reasons you're stating, that you just can't go any further than that because you bleed into this to the next season, and that makes no sense at all. That's what I hear over and over again from these guys. Hey, Brian, do you want to take some listener questions? Sure, Andrew. What uh, what do you have for oh, us? That's great. The enthusiasm, because this is definitely the first time that we're talking about this in the podcast right now. It's not it's not take three or four. The Hoop Collective hotline number is 402-316-2955. And let's throw to... A listener from Johannesburg, South Africa. Oh, worldwide, baby. Hi, guys. This is uh, Fungai Kapungu. Again, big fan from Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, a question I want to ask you guys is that, uh, obviously on your podcast, you speak a lot about players, but you very rarely get to interview or speak to players and have them on your pod. 
Um, which players or even, let's say, owners, general managers, would you love to have on your pod, you know, at one time? What would be your top five between a player, general manager, or owner? Who would you want to have on the podcast and why? Great to hear your feedback on that, and keep up the good work. Greetings from South Africa. Take care. Bye. Mm. So, um, Jackie, go ahead. Well, first off, let me say this. We don't have guests on the podcast because I don't want them. That's that's the answer to that. Um, uh, Jackie, if I relax that rule, who would be the ideal person our friend from South Africa wants to know? Well, I would love Joel Embiid to be on our podcast. That's, that's the first one that I, that came to my mind. I would love J.J. Reddick to come on our podcast as he's so good on his own podcast. I would love – I mean anytime you can get Doc Rivers on, that's a bonus. Um I think Nick Nurse is sneaky funny. Um, who else? I would love Steve Ballmer to come on anytime he's available. I'm I'm missing people. There's plenty of others. You know, Damian Lillard, I think, is one of Dame, the underrated personalities yeah, in the NBA. That would be a good one. What do you think, Brian? Who do you want on? I want on somebody who will be authentic, which is almost impossible, which is why I don't have guests. Joel just, Embiid. Joel Embiid's authentic. That's True, and which is why he would never be allowed to do it. <laughs> you know, they would never allow it. He would, we would, he would have to be like a free agent. Um, no, uh, if I could have somebody on that I could actually have a candid conversation with, I don't think it's possible. Because there's, just, there's two. Oh. Wow, that, yeah, you're, you've be, gotten jaded in your old age. Come on now. No, you're seriously. not even that old. I'm being serious, too. Well, you could have, like, you could, you could have Jimmy Steph- Butler. You could have Steph Curry on, and he'd say a lot of fun things. We'd have a lot of fun with Steph Curry. Come okay. on. Okay, I'd want to talk about golf with him, to be honest with you. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, sleep. But, Come on now. But, but, I mean, of course you know that what you really want is the conversations that we have with people that are off the record. You want that to be on the record. That's what the ideally what you want. Yeah, but Tim just gave you a whole bunch of names. Jimmy Butler, Draymond uh, Green. J- Jimmy Butler is not afraid to say anything, but I'm, I'm, most people would be sanitized, and you'd get the – well, that's important these days. <laughs> Good point. How about this, Brian? If if you could have uh, Pat Riley, candid. Okay, all right. There you go. Pat Riley is who I'd like to have on if we could talk candidly. Listen, Pat but, Riley these days he says whatever he feels like. He's he's been awesome. I think Pat yeah. Riley's like he's in a whole new place in his life. It's really fun <laughs> to talk to Pat Riley these days. There's. Um, the amazing thing about Pat uh, is maybe maybe this is the one time where this is not true, but every time you hear about some some something that happens in the NBA and it's like a, a bad situation or a tough situation, Pat's like, oh, that happened to us back when I was with the Knicks in 94. Uh, oh, yeah, we had that same situation happen with us with the Lakers in 85. Like – his encyclopedia, he's seen so much stuff. Uh, maybe he's but, maybe with the global pandemic, he's he can't compare, but he probably has a good comparison. Uh, that that but happened what about, to, uh, to his team, the Spirit in 1918. That's what he would say. Okay. <laughs> but what about the fact that he actually sent out a press release that said, bleep Danny Age? Come on. <laughs> Who does that? That was Wasn't like the a- greatest moment. That was fantastic. Oh, man. Fantastic. 
I mean, Didn't yeah. he have his PR guy just pass out sheets yeah. of paper with that on there? No, right. no. What happened was his piss. So um, there was a back and forth. I can't remember what the back and forth was over. I think it was something that that uh, Danny Ainge had said on the radio. Yeah, and, Danny um, a lot of things, you know, man. And so it was. It was right. It was right before it, the the team was in New Orleans, and it was right before the. Eric Spolster came out to give his standard pregame media, and Tim Donovan, their longtime PR guy, comes out and says, I have a statement from Pat Riley. <laughs> and um, Danny Ainge should mind his own bleeping business, uh, worry about his own bleeping team, something along those lines. And it was like. No, he told him. Danny Ainge should shut the bleep up. It was about LeBron, remember? Yes, LeBron he was, def- he was def- Yes, he was defending LeBron. Yeah, and um, and uh-huh. it was like it was all, it was like now wait a minute, is that it? like that you're making a joke? And Tim yeah. was like, no, this is an official <laughs> so, statement. So why would why would why wouldn't we want Pat Riley on our podcast? Well, class? if he if he felt like being candid, why would uh, let's go? All right, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Try to take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next week.